most people are just surviving. They're not yet thriving. The 21st century is radically different than the 20th or 19th century. Hey there, welcome to the Biohacker Babes podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Renee, a certified nutritional consultant with a master's degree in nutrition. What's up? And I'm Lauren, functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and Czech movement specialist. We're sisters and we're joining forces to empower you to become your own biohacker and upgrade your life. Our mission is to provide actionable steps so you can optimize your health, strengthen your intuition, and support your body's natural healing abilities. Because life is too short to not feel your best every single day. Thank you for joining us and welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 146 of the Biohacker Babes. My name is Lauren. I'm tuning in from Maryland today, but actually I recorded this episode in Vegas right next to my sister, Renee. Hello, yeah. Renee. Hello, hello. Yeah, it was fun recording side by side for once. Yeah. Sharing a mic. <laughs> I know. We always set up in different rooms. And for the first time, it was like, why don't we just sit together? <laughs> I think it yeah, worked it out. a lot of fun. All right. So welcome to the episode. Today, we are talking about blending East and West. We have a doctor who has been trained in traditional medicine, but he really has such a broad perspective of all types of healing modalities. So he has a really nice holistic perspective of how we should be looking at health. He wants to solve illness for the world. Those are my words, not his. He, he really is trying to help the world become healthier and make day-to-day better choices. He wrote a book called Thriving in the 21st Century. Yeah, it was a great conversation. I think, to be honest, we were just hitting the tip of the iceberg with his knowledge and really what was in his book. So check out the highlights of the episode. I do recommend reading his book to take a deeper dive. Um, I appreciate all of the free tools and biohacks that he recommends for at home, how we can clean up our environment. I was pretty blown away by the statistic he said that 80% of the toxins in our environment can be avoided, which Mm. that's a pretty good chunk, but he goes into that more in his book, like really where all these toxins are coming from and how we can start minimizing the exposure or avoiding the exposure. So great information there. Yeah. I think some key takeaways or highlights are the biomarkers that he's picked out as being the most important, I think for the average person to test. Now we know our audience is pretty familiar with lab testing but this would be a great one to share with your loved ones, friends, the eight biomarkers that are really important in his mind for everyone to test. Um, Also his home tests that you can do, they're really easy. And we love this stuff, making stuff actionable for you at home. It's accessible to test your health. He's going to go into his favorite testing and, you know, some makeovers for the home, which is always important getting back to the basics. So we're going to hone in on those today. So here's a little bit more about Dr. Jaffe. He is an internist, molecular biochemist, clinical pathologist, and diagnostician. That is a big word. Diagnostician. Seeing an opportunity and clinical need for more bioavailable, highly effective, and advanced dietary guidance, he designed each PERQE functional supplement using novel principles and concepts. The variety of outcome studies, case reports, and patents that are pending on PERK supplements attest to how unique the products are. From starting purity to production control, from ingredient synergy to cost effectiveness, from value to outcome results. He is all about the results and helping people to not just survive, 
but thrive. And also just wanted to give you all a heads up. We had a little bit of background noise. Dr. Jaffe was visiting his daughter and was in this beautiful outdoor area, but there are a couple minutes with some background noise. Know that that will pass. We do apologize for that. Um, it's an amazing episode and we can't wait for you to tune in. All right, let's bring him on. Welcome Dr. Jaffe to the Biohacker Base podcast. Your background is so beautiful. Thanks for tuning in with us today. I'm so glad to be here. We are too. So we read your book. You have such a wealth of knowledge. Our audience heard you by already, but I just want to say that you have trained in traditional medicine, but you really were exposed to just a comprehensive perspective from different practitioners, healing, and spiritual beings. And that has inspired you to come more towards the synthesis of East meets West, which we really appreciate. You have over a half of century of experience helping the world to not just survive, but thrive, which is what we want to do as well. So we're so excited to chat with you today. Uh, we would love to kick this off and just talk about why Americans are so unwell. You say 88% of Americans are unwell, 75% are overfed and undernourished. Those are staggering statistics. So let's kick it off by talking about the health and environmental effects. I know you do a lot of work in this area. What is making us so sick? Well, before we get to what's making us so sick, if you followed my advice, I would add 20 plus years of quality life to your life. Most people are just surviving. They're not yet thriving. The 21st century is radically different than the 20th or 19th century. Therefore, the science of the 19th and 20th century may not apply anymore. Hmm. What are the problems? Then I'll give you solutions, but what are the problems? There are problems come in five categories. There's persisting organic pollutants known as hormone disruptors and forever molecules. Oh my gosh, you mean something that affects my hormones comes in and stays and gets stuck in and won't go away? Well, yes, in some cases and in too many cases. Then we have volatile organic compounds known as solvents. They're in the air. They're in the water. They're everywhere. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> and we get to toxic metals. If you haven't been frightened enough yet, we get to toxic metals, lead, mercury, nickel, arsenic, cadmium, and others. Then we get to mold products. Our super insulated buildings, our indoor environments are very often rich in mold, mold spores, mold toxins. Turns out molds put out compounds that compromise our neurochemistry and hormones especially if you're not well. Well, there's lots of people who are not well. Yes. <laughs> if you are not well, for example, and this is a very graphic example, but I'm going to use it. If you are not well, your blood-brain barrier opens up and certain toxins are allowed into your brain that should not be there. They should not be there. You should keep them out because your blood-brain barrier should be closed. We used to think just a few years ago, I was taught, there's a blood-brain barrier, and therefore we can use certain chemicals and pesticides and fungicides because uh, bugs don't have a central nervous system and a blood-brain barrier, but people do. Well, all of that is true for healthy people. If you're under stress, if you're exposed to these toxins, if you don't get enough of the good stuff, ah, we're going to get to the good stuff in a minute, then one or more of these is going to get you, unless, unless, unless you're proactive at reducing the burden, reduce the bad stuff, and increasing the good stuff. You have to do two things. You have to get more of the good in. You have to reduce the bad, which can be done. 
because, and then I'll listen, it's really about what we eat and drink, think and do. What we eat and drink, think and do is called lifestyle. It's also called epigenetics. Epigenetics is 92% of your lifetime health. Only 8% is genetic. And much of that is influenced by the epigenome. So you can't blame mom and dad for so much. (laughs) You can look at your own habits. Your habits of daily living determine your now, your reality now, but determine where you are going. Do you get vicious cycles that bring you down or virtuous cycles that bring you up? It's a choice. It's a choice. I love that your new book is focusing on the 21st century. Like you said, all these new toxins that we're being exposed to, we can't follow the old rules of quote unquote, eat well and move more, right? Or exercise more. It's still true, but it's inadequate. And you have to get very specific for the individual, very specific Mm. for the context of the person. Yes, platitudes are platitudes. It took me 50 years to write this book. I kept having ideas for books, but someone else would write the book and would do it very well. And I was happy that they did it. So I didn't need to do it again. (laughs) Now I have something to say that will save 1 million American lives a year to burying early at high cost and suffering a million people. Yeah, there's a huge need for that. And I think in your book, you said that we can potentially avoid 80% of these, which is a huge number. That's the very good news. 80% of the toxins you are exposed to are of recent exposure. So for example, if you take your outdoor clothes off and take and put on indoor clothes when you come home, if you take your shoes off and put on slippers or walk barefoot, um, if you do other things with regard to not eating processed foods, not eating in places that serve processed foods, you can dramatically, I mean, dramatically reduce the toxins you're exposed to. Yeah. So there's a million things that we could do, but these toxins really are everywhere. Like mold is everywhere in way more places than we think. So that's my point. That's my point. Assume you're going to be assaulted by the toxins, reduce the exposure that you can, because you can't get rid of it all and increase the intake of the good stuff. Because if you have enough of the uh, nutrients, not anti-nutrients, Those five categories that I talked about are all anti-nutrients. They're all oxidative inducers. They all use up nutrients, which is why they're Mm anti-nutrients. So to the extent that you're exposed to the anti-nutrients, you have to take in more nutrients. Yeah. So considering that a lot of people's pain points are so high, it takes people, you know, a lot of convincing. They have to be in enough pain or actually come into a disease outcome before they really are motivated to change. Considering that, what would you put at the very top of the list? Like, what are one, two, three things that we could do? I'm glad you didn't reduce it to one thing. The list will go on and on. (laughs) Well, the list could go on and on, but it doesn't really. I can get it succinct. And I can start with vitamin D drops under the tongue. Helps with pain. We call it a vitamin, but it's a neurohormone. It has to do with controlling and regulating cell division. That's kind of important. And your vitamin D level should be 50 to 80. Hmm. Not what the traditional ranges say. No, no. 30, you're good. (laughs) No, I do not accept any of the statistical ranges because no human being is a statistic and should not be made into one. 
Now, that's a little bit of a joke, but it's, I'm serious about that. Do not pay attention to the statistical range. Know what the best outcome value is for that test. And for vitamin D, it's 50 to 80. Then, then we get to vitamin C and polyphenolics. Vitamin C, how much to take based on your C cleanse. Why polyphenolics? Because polyphenolics are needed synergistically with vitamin C. Then we get to magnesium and choline citrate because only one third of the magnesium comes in without choline citrate and three thirds, we triple the uptake of magnesium. And then we chaperone the magnesium to get to the cell, not run out as fast as it comes in. So magnesium with choline citrate is next. Then EPA and DHA, the active omega-3 fatty acids because people take in too much omega-6. So we want to balance out the omega-3 to 6. We want to have enough of the essentials. There are eight tests of lifestyle and epigenetics. They should all be interpreted to their best outcome goal value, and we know what those are. Yeah. So you mentioned fish oil. I'm just curious, what are your thoughts on the concerns around toxic metals or being rancid with a lot of the products on the market? What are your thoughts? Unfortunately, most of the commodity products on the market are a race for the bottom. And they, if you, the more you know about them, the less you would ever take them. <laughs> Marine fish oil, manhadrin or fish oil, must be distilled, distilled to get rid of the toxic metals, distilled to concentrate the good EPA DHA, and distilled under nitrogen to prevent air oxygen from damaging the essential EPA and DHA. So most of what you take in the store is at best a placebo and maybe worse, but I'm telling you what you need to know about the supplements you take. EPA and DHA should be mycelized in a soft gel that protects them. And the company will, the few, the few companies that distill under nitrogen will tell you that they distill it under nitrogen to get the schmutz out and to leave the good stuff concentrated in. Yeah. I mean, quality of supplements in general is a big concern. And I know you've done a lot of work in this space to help formulate. I went, I went into this industry to reform it. Because you saw a, a huge need for it. Well, I saw a huge need, but I couldn't get anybody else to do it because they told me it was a lot of work. It was a heavy lift. It would be expensive and I'd have a hobby, not a business, but it's business. It's not a hobby. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. And more and more consumers are waking up that quality and value are what's important, not price point and and uh, and and a race for the bottom. Yeah, definitely. I'm seeing a, a bigger movement towards that, but I still see clients all the time. They're like, "Oh, can I just pick that up at GNC?" Like, "Oh, well, we need to have a conversation." Well, Costco. <laughs> well, you, Costco is better than GNC. I'll tell you. Sure. Tell you a yes. GNC story. <laughs> tell you a GNC story. GNC needs to have. 80% gross margins, that means what they can possibly put in the product is vanishingly small. Hmm. GNC, I think, is still owned by Royal Numico. It might have been flipped to a hedge fund by now, for all I know. But it's a race for the bottom. It's a, great, it's a race for glitzy labels and, and big displays and uh, in your mall, you know, well, you have to be able to amortize that traffic and that foot spacing. Right now, if you want to buy GNC, it's available. Mm -hmm. I know I know it's available because I looked at it and I wouldn't touch it with a barge pole. <laughs> but but now, now, now Costco. Costco does require that labels be accurate. Oh, wow. That's good. That's, that's, that's good. You, do, you can't assume that the average commercial label is accurate. 
Costco at least requires that. But that's a very low bar. <laughs> but at least it's something. Step one. Something. So I want to compliment Costco on requiring full disclosure labels, but I want them to include bioavailability. I want them to include evidence. I want them to have something that the company has done that independently, like third party independently, has been verified. Like with our products, we always on all batches do third party post-production testing. Now, we also bring the formula to the vendor and I'll tell you a quick story in the middle. Very often, George, my operations manager, brings a new formula that we're going to innovate in. For example, the next one is digestive aid. This is a bitters that does taste good and helps you digest food. The company said, we've never seen anything like this. We're not sure it's going to work. Uh, we're really skeptical. George says, we're paying you for the pet test batch. You're not paying us. Just do what Dr. Jaffe is asking. Then they call back and they say, oh my God, it works. And this has become a recurrent joke in the company. George brings the formula to the vendor. The vendor says, we don't understand this at all. We don't think it's going to work. It's very unconventional. And then when it does work, we buy it. And they can't do it for anybody else. <laughs> That's awesome. I love in your book how you talk about the four self-assessments. And a lot of this has to do with some of these nutrients that you just spoke about. And I know you're on a mission to be able to help people on whatever budget they have to be able to get healthy. And some of these are free or, or almost well, free so at glad, home. Yes, I'm so glad that you bring this up because the place to start is the four self-assessments. Okay. How much vitamin C does it take to cleanse? You do it at home. You do it yourself. Are you well hydrated? What is your digestive transit time? You swallow charcoal capsules and you look for black crumbly stuff to come out the other end and you mark the difference in time. These kinds of self-assessments are very indicative of further need or lack. Digestive transit time of 12 to 18 hours is healthy. What you eat at night should come out in the morning. When I have roast beets at night in the morning, I see red in the commode. Mm -hmm. <laughs> all these years, after all these years, the first thing I think is never I had beats last night. No, a little we bit of panic. Me too. <laughs> well, we, don't, we don't recommend testing digestive transit time with beets. Use charcoal. Yeah, it's a great list of, of eight. Do you, do you want to run off that list for oh, absolutely. listeners? Hemoglobin A1C is the best indicator of sugar metabolism, how, much, how you're handling sugar. It should be less than 5%. If you listen to the ads on the cable, they're excited if they get you down to seven. I can get you to wow. 5%. Now, HSCRP. HSCRP is the measure of inflammation, but inflammation is really repair deficit. You want your body to be able to repair itself. Then homocysteine. People talk a lot about homocysteine, but they don't measure it accurately and they don't tend to measure it. Then we get to vitamin D, which I already said should be 50 to 80. Then we get to the omega-3 index. You should have more than 8% omega-3. Then we get to the one urine test that's exotic, unusual. This is 8-oxoguanine. It's a urine test of stress in your nucleus. Is your DNA getting oxidized and damaged, which will age you very rapidly? Are your telomeres shortening, which will age you very rapidly or not? Well, 8-oxoguanine. Hmm. Well, these are the biomarkers and the best outcome goal values for them. Would, would you recommend they just go and ask their doctor or should they 
Well, they can do it any number of ways. You can go to a doctor who is functional, integrative, and comprehensive and get them done through the doctor, and then hopefully the doctor staff will interpret it for you. As a consumer, go through a portal called BetterLabTestsNow.com. If you go through Better Lab Tests, can not only get the test directly, but it comes with the same interpretation that we would give to the health coach or health professional, because not everyone can go through a doctor or wants to. That's yeah. great that you offer that. Yeah, I think people always we, want we, tangible we want, advice. We want to make available to those who need it in whatever way they want it. I favor a professional or a health coach to help guide you along the way. But you can be your own doctor much of the time if you're getting objective, unbiased interpretations, which are very hard to do to, if you get them from the marketing department or PR department of the bigger, bigger firm. So. With the lab test, I agree with you. I think it's amazing, an amazing opportunity to empower the client patient yeah. to get these tests. Like data right. is really invaluable. Right. Um, I'm just curious about maybe some add-ons or differences. Like, what are your thoughts on using A1C? Obviously, you've chosen that over insulin or just doing like a full chemistry so, panel to get I, more I, information. I, if we have just a minute or two, I can go through why this version of this test was chosen and not all the others. Yeah. And the please. best study, the best study is hemoglobin A1C. Yes, there is insulin, there is glucose, there is insulin glucose ratios, there are glucose tolerance tests. They all have major flaws. Hemoglobin A1C is the average sugar stuck on your hemoglobin. You could measure other proteins like fructosamine, but it's the average sugar stuck on a protein. It was developed in 1967 by Paul Gallup. I knew Paul Gallup. It was very important when we were doing our studies of cardiovascular disease in foxhound dogs and Yucatan pigs, which have now become very much applied to people, to know what was the measure, the most important predictive measure of diabetes of cardiovascular events. It's hemoglobin A1C over and above everything else. Why HSCRP, the high sensitivity- Oh, can I ask you real quick before you move on? Yeah, I'm just curious because insulin as the hormone is like such a powerful signaling molecule. Why are you not using that? insulin, Insulin is a powerful signaling molecule, but it's also a growth factor. Are you talking about IGF-1 or IGF-2, 3, 4, 5? Insulin, anti-insulin antibodies are a big problem. Heavy metals tend to glom onto insulin and then alter the shape of the insulin, and then the body makes antibodies against insulin. So if you're just measuring insulin and not the anti-insulin antibodies, you get misled. So these Ah. are very, very, very important questions, very good questions. I'm glad to give you the answer in less than 30 minutes. (laughs) Thank you. I think our audience will really appreciate that answer. Thank you so much. No, I'm happy to. I'm really glad that your audience wants more than just something new to talk about at a party. (laughs) Hey, biohackers. You know Lauren and I love anything that will support our health span and longevity, and that's where this really cool compound called urolithin A comes in. It's actually derived from pomegranate, but it's nearly impossible to eat or drink enough pomegranates to get the scientifically proven amount you need for longevity-enhancing and anti-aging effects. You would have to drink so much pomegranate juice, which would be loaded with sugar, and I know you all know we don't recommend all that sugar. 
So fortunately, our friends at Timeline Nutrition have actually created three amazing products that give us this precise dose of urolithin A that we're looking for. And it's well-researched to upgrade mitochondrial function, increase cellular energy, improve muscle strength and endurance, and increase longevity. And we actually had Dr. Singh from Timeline Nutrition on the podcast earlier this year where we really took this deep dive all about urolithin A and the science behind it. So if you want to nerd out on that, we will link to that episode in the show notes for today's episode so you can go back and check that out. And if you're curious to try this product, there's actually three ways you can take it. There's a protein powder, there's a berry powder that you can mix into like yogurt or a smoothie, and then there's also the soft gel option. My personal favorite is the protein powder. I take it right after a workout so I can really maximize that muscle strength and To be honest, it tastes like birthday cake. It's like such a treat for me. I love it so much. So if you want to check it out, head over to TimelineNutrition.com and you can also use discount code BiohackerBabes. That will get you 5% off your order. I will put all of the info for this in the show notes for today so you can go back and check it out. And let's get back to the show. Now, the next test, the HSCRP, is the best measure of inflammation. Now, inflammation is really repair deficit. And of all the markers, and there are many, many, many markers of inflammation, markers including TNF and ferritin and fibrinogen and alpha-2 macroglobulin and beta-1, beta-3 microglobulin, et cetera, and on and on. But the one that is most predictive at different points in time is HSCRP. The other tests tend to go up and down for specific reasons in specific ways. They're all inflammatory markers, but the most reliable and best study is HSCRP. And I must tell you that when we were working this out, we required that the tests that would be included in the predictive biomarkers had to be done on every socioeconomic group. They had to be done in every cultural group. They had to be done in the geopolitical area. Oh, yes. So Uh, I've seen CRP almost be non-specific in a way. Like I've seen other markers like oxidative stress really high, but um, A1C be really low and CRP be really low. So how do we know if there's neuroinflammation or specific inflammation somewhere else? Are you talking about HSCRP or CRP? Yes, HSCRP. Okay, well, then it wasn't properly done because the problem with the C-reactive protein was just what you said. The problem with HSCRP, I interpret HSCRP based on the best outcome goal values, based on the Ridker and Refai data at 0.5. I'll bet, I'll bet, I might be wrong, and I'll apologize, but I'll bet the CRPs, HSCRPs you were seeing are above 0.5. I've seen below 0.5, but there's clear markers of oxidative stress and inflammation. Wait, 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 wait. I'm glad you brought this up. This does not happen commonly, but it does happen. There is a factor in people that have autoimmune diseases like lupus and sometimes multiple sclerosis and sometimes undiagnosed but autoimmune diseases where a protein is produced that suppresses the sed rate, that suppresses the HSCRP. So who do we believe, the patient or the test? Well, mostly the test is reliable, but if I have a person who is who has inflammation and repair deficit, and the HSCRP is below 0.5, I look further. I look for those factors detectively. 
because you're dealing with one person who is clearly suffering. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I like to kind of put it through a process for people and you do a great job in your book of doing this. So if say people do the four self-assessments, they get the eight predictive biomarkers. I'm curious at that point, do you recommend any genetic testing since we know epigenetics plays such a big role or? No, the, the, here's the short story on genetic testing. It's only 8% of your lifetime health anyway. There are epigenetic influences on the genome. For example, how long are your telomeres has to do with how well nourished you are. The other markers of oxidative damage in the DNA mean you don't have enough vitamin C to protect the genome. And then you get into what's called transgenerational influences on health. Yeah, can you share more about that? Certain, certain habits, certain values, certain attitudes, certain actions are learned when you're young and they become your habit until you take a look at your habits and you find out, are these habits promoting virtuous cycles or vicious cycles? Too often we learn, well, this, this is the extreme case. This is the extreme. The abused child becomes the abuser as an adult. Is that genetic? No. No. Is that cultural? Yes. Is that transgenerational? Unfortunately. I and Rebecca, but I come from multi-generations of dysfunctional family to the point where we did not think that we could have healthy children. So we weren't going to have children. Rebecca's were going to be bronze sculptures and mine were going to be ideas and tests. And then we had two kids. What I learned from my family was what not to do. That was helpful. Yeah. Well, yeah, and we see this a lot, you know, women that say, oh, well, my mom is overweight, so I'll be overweight. And I'm like, well, are yes. you eating the same diet that your mom was eating? And and you're, you're thinking the same thoughts and you're programming yourself for that future. Now, in my case, yeah. I look like my dad and so does my brother, but we both look very much like our father and we're very glad. Yeah. And in your book, you even said that epigenetics is like a fancy way of saying lifestyle and lifestyle is all decisions we can make every day. The habits of daily living are our lifestyle. Lifestyle is known as epigenetics, but they're all the same. It's about what you eat and drink, think and do. Yeah, I'm really interested in the thinking piece because you said when we first started, you can't blame mom and dad, but you're talking about this transgenerational effect. We pick up these habits and values and thought patterns and emotions. So it's not just about putting the nutraceuticals in. We really have to address this mental, emotional, spiritual side. So how do we do that? Well... You start with a relaxation response. Herb Benson, a cardiologist at Harvard, wrote a book called The Relaxation Response. A relaxation response has to do with gentle, deep breathing, being present in the moment, letting the stress of the day fall away. After you practice a relaxation response long enough to do it for 20 minutes, then you can begin begin mindfulness practice. Mindfulness requires at least 20 minutes of being present, again, with gentle, deep breathing and some intention. You're seeking guidance. You're receptive, receptive to constructive input. 20 minutes twice a day is enough, but it must be 20 minutes. You can't do that for five minutes. You can't get into the state deep enough to be receptive. Then there's meditation, which is a little different. Meditation has intention along with relaxation first, then mindfulness, being able to pay attention in the moment to being in the moment, then you can begin to meditate. Hmm. 
Now, um, from a scientific standpoint, if you have meditated for more than 10,000 or so hours, your brain changes. Richie Davidson has this functional MRI that measures these changes. The first person in was Matthew Ricard, who's known as the happiest man in the world, a student of the Dalai Lama, a very, very lovely man. I've been in there. Yes, my brain changed because I practiced for that amount of time. Relaxation response is open to anyone. Mindfulness is people are welcome to engage mindfulness regardless. Meditation does not have any sectarian or religious bias. Meditation is an extension of mindfulness, which is an extension of the relaxation response. There's Christian meditation, there's Jewish meditation, there's Hindu meditation, there's Buddhist meditation, there's Sikh meditation, there's all sorts of meditations. They all have, they all are seeking to gain awareness and enlightenment. Yes, something for everyone there. Something for everyone there. Yeah. But very important to not confuse the steps along the path. So this is a great input along with the nutraceuticals. I'd love to take a step back because you also mentioned the beginning about taking things away that are harming you. So we put in some of the good stuff. Can we go back to taking away some of the bad stuff, maybe emptying the stress and toxin bucket? Right. So there's a makeover in your kitchen. There's a makeover in your bedroom. There's a makeover in your personal care. We love makeovers. (laughs) Bring in only whole foods. And no boxes, cans, or plastic. Come to my kitchen. It's full of glass and ceramics and utensils and wood and whole food that you can make into something very delicious and nutritious very easily because we have the tools to make that, to enable that. So I like coffee in the morning, but it has to be. Coffee is a very contaminated uh, food product. Mine is peaberry organic grown in the shade on the big island of Hawaii by Misha, the Hawaiian man who roasts it the day he sends it to you. And that actually makes a big difference. Then you put it in the freezer until you're ready to grind it. You grind it with a burr grinder and then you use a French press, no paper or any of that stuff that's been uh, treated chemically. You use a French press and you make your coffee. Or you make espresso if you like espresso. But can I ask you about the cafesols in there when you're not what? using paper? Cafesols? What do you what do you mean by cafesols? So I've heard when you use a French press when you're not filtering through paper, we get these essentially lipids that can drive up lipids no, no. in the blood. That is true for the average commercial coffee. That is not true for for pea berry, Hawaiian, shade grown. Mm. Yes. So starting with the good stuff, you won't have that problem. Yes. That's the takeaway. That's one of the very important takeaways. You choose the better for value and for health. You invest in yourself so you don't have to invest in the hospital. Absolutely. So the makeover in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. Um, Whole foods. Let me just stop at that. But combined with spices that are organic or biodynamic, because spices are terribly contaminated with herbs, but herbs that are organic or biodynamic and fresh, if possible, because herbs are terribly contaminated. Rice has too much arsenic. Chicken has too much arsenic. Chicken eggs have too much arsenic. But you can get duck eggs, or maybe quail eggs, or maybe goose eggs. Or maybe you can get biodynamic 
eggs, chicken eggs. So you do a makeover in the kitchen. Part of that makeover is you eat until you're half full. Then you wait a few minutes and decide if you want to eat any more. Very often, you don't. But if you just kept going, you finish your plate. Which most Americans do. The Clean Plate Club has things to recommend it, but I don't put that much on my plate so I can clean it. (laughs) Then hydrate. Drink water. Start every meal with something wet and warm. Could be a glass of water with a spritz of lime juice or some berries in it. Have a broth to start the meal. That helps your digestion and helps with hydration. Most Americans are 2 or 3% dehydrated, which is enough to stress their heart and their lungs and their liver and their kidneys and the rest of them. I could go on, but I think that's enough for the kitchen makeover. You get the theme of back to nature, traditional, whole. Those are the criteria we're looking for. We're looking for nutrient-dense, uncontaminated foods and herbs. Right. Good start. Then the bedroom makeover. This is really about restorative sleep because that's what the bedroom is about. Well, maybe other things too, but at least restorative sleep. You take a half an hour, 30 minutes are preparing to transition from being awake to going to restorative sleep. So you do a salt and soda bath. You do five minutes of abdominal breathing. You do 15 minutes of mindfulness or meditation. You use a green dichromatic light while you're in soaking, coming out pink like a, lob- pink like a baby, not red like a lobster. This opens up little pores on the skin so that irritating molecules and toxins can be released and magnesium, which we need a lot of, can come in. You must use baking soda and Epsom salts, not one or the other. You must use baking soda and Epsom salts. About half a cup or a cup each in a tub of water. If you can't do that, you can get a personal sweat cabinet and set the temperature low. You want to mobilize sweat oils, not sweat water. That's enough to oil the fat. That's enough to get the fat to be mobilized. And you stay in until an oily sheen forms on the skin. Then you get out quickly and use a loofah or a washcloth and a Castile soap to get the oil off. Don't be surprised the first time you're in a sauna or a sweat cabinet, it smells like benzene or toluene or xylene or something that's a solvent. Wow. It's good to get rid of them. But many, many people carry them around not knowing. I Yeah, I personally love using my sauna. I always feel much better afterwards. (laughs) So then you stretch. You can stretch in bed. You can stretch before you get into bed, but you stretch for five minutes. And throughout the day, you stretch four or five times for five minutes. And if you sit, you spend five minutes every hour up walking around and looking about, not staring at a screen. Because sitting and slouching are the new smoking. And you don't, I hope, that nobody who's listening to this conversation smokes. Hopefully not. Heaven, heaven, heaven <laughs> forfend, heaven forfend that such things should happen. But if you do, if you do, it's very hard to quit. It's possible to quit. Nutrients help a lot in quitting. Yoga helps a lot, or Tai Chi or Aikido helps a lot in quitting. But you have to have the will. You have to really want to quit. Yeah. That's your 30 minutes. Now you're ready for bed. 
Now, it should be as dark as possible. There should be no devices in the room. Not only should it be as dark as possible, you should get the best quality cotton percale sheets you can, definitely not synthetic, or if you're willing, sit down before you look at the price, but silk. And I think silk sheets, which I do have, are an indulgence, but I indulge myself because I want to live a long time. But but consider silk pillowcases. Pillowcase goes a long way. The only problem is once you get used to silk, you won't want to go back to cotton. <laughs> you better be willing to travel it to every hotel and I, friend's I house. <laughs> I bring them with me. I, I don't need to show off, but I... <laughs> They're very light. <laughs> they fold yes. up very nicely. And I actually have silk shirts because they don't wrinkle. No, I'm supposed to look neat and prim and proper. And I, 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 I do not iron. I don't know how to iron. Me either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. Good. My husband's Good. on his own for that one. <laughs> right. Right. Now, then the makeover and personal care. You use a tooth powder that is fluoride free. You use vitamin C as your mouthwash. You definitely include prebiotics, probiotics, and symbiotics because they're all sorts of things, including antibiotics and anti-this and that that we get exposed to from the stresses of high-tech living. So we're constantly replenishing our fiber prebiotic, our probiotic bugs, and our symbiotic recycled glutamine. Glutamine's gotten a bad reputation, but it shouldn't have a bad reputation. Recycled glutamine prevents glutamate from building up, but is very effective at providing energy to the enterocytes. The lining cells of the gut are very delicate, and they are working very hard and very fast on our behalf. So if you want to be good to your enterocytes, you take recycled glutamine symbiotic. Many, many people do not absorb vitamin D from the lower intestine because their intestines are American. Oh, those American intestines. <laughs> the standard no American diet, the sad standard American diet is the standard American diet. And mm -hmm. that is sad. But it's not just a joke. <laughs> it's serious and we have to do something about it. It takes three months of prebiotics, probiotics, and symbiotics to recover from any two-week course of antibiotics. Yeah, and that's the sad thing. People are on antibiotics continuously, and then it just gets more they're, they're on and They're on antibiotics that they don't need anyway. Then the doctor says, eat a little yogurt. That'll you know replenish the gut. No, you shouldn't use antibiotics unless you absolutely, absolutely need to. There are many natural ways of dealing with whatever infection or problem is emerging that you think needs antibiotics. What it really needs is nutrients but the right nutrients in the right amounts. Right, right. That's why we recommend vitamin C cleanse and that, and you take the amount of vitamin C recommended in the cleanse. That's why we recommend uh, urine pH testing and taking the amount of magnesium and choline citrate that you need based on that. It's why we distill under nitrogen, our fish oil. Um, it's why we have adrenal distress guard because stresses of high-tech living, inner stress, outer stress, stress. Most of the time when we say stress, we mean distress. There's actually a positive side of stress called eustress. I had the pleasure of talking once on a program with Hans Selye, and I asked him, why didn't people pay more attention to eustress? He says they're afraid. Eustress is the positive side. 
Eustress is the part that gets you up and going, that gives you passion, that gives you a, a, a desire to go out and change the world. Then you reach a peak, and if you go over that peak, it's downhill. And there are different stages of downhill, but you can get really far downhill. Mm-hmm. We have adaptogenic herbs. We don't stimulate an overly exhausted, overly stimulated adrenal gland. We rehabilitate it with adaptogenic herbs and other nutrients. Great. Great. Comprehensive. This is just like a 360 look. I love your approach of taking out the bad stuff, adding the good stuff back in, and the tests that are just so easy to empower anyone at home. So thank you for sharing all this information. Before we wrap up, we like to ask just one more question. If you could give our audience just one final piece of advice, something they could start doing today that's simple, that could optimize their health, wellness, maybe thoughts, emotions, doing all the good stuff. Do what Patch Adams calls chakra therapy. You can laugh at a comedy, but you can just laugh. You can laugh at something that's funny, or you can just laugh. It turns out that laughter is medicine. The great example of that was Norman Cousins, a very, very important editor in his day. He developed ankylosing spondylitis. It's an autoimmune attack of the back of the spine. And he was being treated at NIH by Jeffrey Herzig. Nothing was working. He was getting worse. And Jeffrey said, well, I heard that vitamin C and laughter sometimes, sometimes cause remission. They had to check him out of NIH, check him into the Hay Adams Hotel, where they had him watch episodes of Candid Camera, because that made him laugh. (laughs) Anything that makes you laugh. Um, And they used infusions of vitamin C. Because the higher ups at NIH would not approve intravenous vitamin C at that time. I knew Norman Cousins. He was a wonderful human being. I'm so glad that Jeffrey saved his life. And I'm so glad that they treated him with respect and dignity in the, in the way that achieved the outcome, the good result, even without the institution. Hmm. It's an amazing story. NIH, NIH is a wonderful place. I'm glad for every minute I had there. Um, but it's not everything. And I have learned over time that cross-cultural approaches have value, that it's all about what you eat and drink, think and do, but laugh. Incredible advice. We love that. We'll make sure we laugh a lot today. Yes. Good. Hooray. (laughs) Thank you so much for spending your time with us. Can you tell our audience where they can find more of you? Oh, yes. DrRussellJaffe.com is a website. A YouTube channel called Dr. Russell Jaffe is available to you. If you just put in Russell Jaffe, you may get a poet, which I'm not. But on YouTube, it's Dr. (laughs) Russell Jaffe. Uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. I'm on social media as Dr. J. It's too much to remember Jaffe. So all you have to remember now is Dr. J, Nature's Alkaline Way, and Nature's Pharmacy. So I'm the advocate for Nature's Pharmacy and Nature's Alkaline Way. Um, Our book, How to Thrive in the 21st Century, is a way to understand more what we recommend and why. And you can find me, in addition, at healthstudiescollegium.org, a foundation that publishes our research for those of you who are more technically oriented. 
Wonderful. Well, we will link to all of that in the show notes so everyone can follow cool. along. And and we highly recommend your book. We read it and it's 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 fabulous the way you laid everything out. We really appreciate. I'm sure it took a lot of time and effort to put that together, but thank you so much. For my, all that mother, you've done. my mother appreciated what you just said. Oh <laughs> hi, mom. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jaffe, for joining us today. And everyone at home, thank you for tuning in. We will see you next time. Indeed. Till next time. Love this episode of the Biohacker Babes podcast? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. We truly appreciate your support. Until then, happy biohacking. This podcast offers health, fitness, and nutritional information and is designed for educational purposes only. You should not rely on this information as a substitute for, nor does it replace professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. If you have any concerns or questions about your health, you should always consult with a physician or other healthcare professional.